0: welcome to the access church podcast grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon you thought it was going to be cold and then it tricked you at least for some of us I know some of us we were i don't know where everybody lives but it was foggy it was cold flannel had the beanie on drove And then all of a sudden just broke through sunny hot beanie off it's like dang it but we're enjoying it anyway this is our winter in southern california hey before we uh group up start interacting talking getting the brain warmed up i just want to give you a heads up on a few things we are a few weeks away from our christmas service so just you know we like to dress up for things if you were here around halloween we threw it down we dress up we like to party a little bit here Uh, And so for Christmas, you're going to see all kinds of Christmas sweaters, Christmas outfits, something you've been planning for a while. That is the 19th. That's in two weeks. So get ready, get your nails done, get everything ready. We're going to celebrate. That's going to be a family service. So we're going to do worship with all the kids, and then we'll do something Really short afterwards as an experience for Christmas for us to celebrate uh, the birth of Jesus, what that means for us, and then we'll have the kids go out just for a little bit, but they'll be with us. We want them to experience the worship and things like that. The service will be a little bit shorter, and so that's the 19th. Every year, the Sunday after Christmas, we take a week off to give everyone a break. A lot of us are, <laughs> a lot of us, yes, my my own family included. So um, I'm one of those pastors. I do not want to miss my family. Uh, on special occasions. So that's a day to be with family, be with friends. So the 26th, if you show up here, you're running the service because no one's gonna be here. So uh, the day after, celebrate with family, friends, sleep in, do your thing. uh, And uh, we're taking that Sunday off. So just a heads up uh, on that. And everything's on our website. Also in the next two weeks, you guys know we're providing food for Laura Lee. She's phenomenal. She has loved almost every single one of us, serving us, helping, organizing. Now's our time to love her. I sent a link. We'll throw also uh, through an email. We'll also put it on our Facebook. If you're not a part of our Facebook group, Access Church Facebook group, it's open. And we're bringing meals to her. You can DoorDash it. You can make it. You can do whatever you want. But we want her to feel really loved. So let's fill up those spots uh, and um, take care of her over the next few weeks. Um, she would appreciate that. And if you want more info, it's in the email about what's going on and why we're doing that. Pray for Young Life. They're coming back today. So a lot of our young adults... And high school, middle school, they're up at a camp. You guys know we're very attached to Young Life, great ministry that really does outreach and disciples the youth. And so uh, they're at a camp. So pray for safety and just for, uh, man, their hearts, just accepting Jesus. What a great time of life to start walking with Jesus at that age. And so just, you know, that's where all the young'uns are at. The crowd looks a little old today. You're looking around. We're missing our youngins. They're up at camp. And so, um, yeah, so um, they're coming back to the end. So be, be praying for them. If you have your Bibles, uh, go ahead and open them up or you can click on them if you have your phone. Uh, Acts chapter nine, we're staying in Acts chapter nine. We're going through the book of Acts which are the actions of the Holy Spirit, the actions of God in the early church. We're learning about that and I'm excited today. Hopefully it really uh, equips us well for where we are in our society as Christians, but also where we are culturally. Um, Let me pray, and we're going to jump into it. Jesus, um, I'm really excited for this morning because it's a shift for us as a church in seeing how you work and how we are to participate with you in the mission that you're on. Um, You're on a timeline, God. You're on a timeline that you're going to come back, And this society and world as we know it will no longer exist. And there's a binary outcome that is set in stone. That people who know you and interact with you will be with you forever in heaven where there's no sin. And people that do not know you, even if they know of you, will be separated from you forever. So Lord, the the, the task at hand is serious and we understand the gravity of your own heart and mind. I I pray our hearts would get that gravity for other people, but also for ourselves this morning. Praise in your name, Jesus. Amen. I need a volunteer. Won't hurt. Won't be too embarrassing. And I always pick people that look straight down when I ask for a volunteer. Yeah, it's the first thing. Like, nobody looks me in the eyes. So, yeah. All right, Jessica. Come on. Hey. did I just see the old school Jessica? Were you doing like the fight? Th- yeah, I know. Jessica's like... I know. I'm actually scared. She's not scared. I'm actually a little fearful right now. Okay, go ahead and put this on. Blindfold, can't see. (sighs) Do it lightly. This is for Jesus, all right? This is for Jesus. (laughs) This guarantees you'll get into heaven when you do things like this. (laughs) Okay, I should have had you. All right, hold my hand. You got to take a couple steps. One step, boom, one more. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> You're good. You're on a flat floor. Um, so there's this amazing thing called a denwa. Um, can you go ahead and grab the denwa? It'll change your life. Why? Why are you standing there? All right. I'm going to help you because I'm a good person. This is a Denwa. Go ahead and put your hands out in front. Okay. What do you think that is? Mm. Okay, well, go ahead and use it. There's all kinds of cool apps on there. Do you know how to use it? I would, but I can't (sighs) see. Fine, I'll open it up for you. There's a password. Okay, password set. Now, there's an app on there that I really want you to change your life. Go ahead and open up the app. All these questions, all these questions. The password's already set. Nope, you're hitting the wrong app. That's a bad, nope, don't hit that. That could be very, very bad. Okay, are you struggling to use it? Yeah. Are you frustrated? You wanna hurt me right now? No. <laughs> She's silent. <laughs> I'm just impatient. What, 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 pa- <laughs> what would make this easier? If we took the blindfold off my eye. Okay. Blindfolds off. Okay. Now I want you to open up let's say open up that that app right there. Awesome. Yeah. Boom. Easy? Yeah. Give her a hand, everybody. <laughs> Acts chapter nine. We can start in verse 17. Uh, This is when a man named Saul, who's eventually named Paul, his life changed. He was killing Christians. Now, if someone's killing Christians and you're a Christian, you would probably want to have them stop killing Christians, right? Like that's not good. It's not productive. Here's what's crazy about Saul is he actually thought he was living for God, doing God's work. How do you stop someone who thinks they're doing God's work by killing Christians, God's people, to stop killing Christians? Counseling? Reeducation? Be nicer to them? How does this change happen? Well, we see that God does a supernatural thing, which one of the things we're learning in Acts, right, is that when we reach people or when God reaches us, it's both a natural and a supernatural thing. You can't separate the two. God will do supernatural things. He will use dreams. He will use miracles in our lives. If we take that out, then pretty much we worship a God who does no supernatural things, which means you probably don't believe in the resurrection. That doesn't happen every day. That's called a miracle. But we also see that God uses natural means. The Bible, you can read, you can think things through. He'll use other Christians to explain things, counseling, basic psychology. He uses both of those, right? So Saul had this supernatural experience. And in the midst of this, we read that that God blinded him. And then that God reached out to uh, another man, his name was Ananias, and we picked up the story in verse 17. We read it last week. I want to go over it again. Because it says in verse 17, that then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again. Circle, underline that word over and over in the Bible. Do you remember when Jesus talked about people being blind? Blind guides? Do you remember when he yelled at the Pharisees over and over again? Do you remember what he called them? He said, you blind guides. You can't See your religious leaders. Why was God so angry? Because it was the blind trying to lead the blind. If you want to lead them first, you need to see clearly, then you can lead others. There's a spiritual implication here that I don't want us to, to miss that, that that the writer is trying to, to show us that Christianity, following God, reaching people, is about a blind and seeing thing. There's a component to that. And so he says that that God has sent me um, that you may see again and be filled with the Spirit. In verse 18, immediately something like scales fell off from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. What happens when you see things again clearly? Then you understand why God wants you to do certain things. See, I believe that some of us, we don't lack faith, we lack sight. you can go to church and still stay blind because someone else is doing Christianity for you. We get angry at a world that can't see. Jessica had a blindfold on. How foolish of me to be like, oh my gosh, just click it. Why don't you get it? Just, why can't you find it? It's right there. Because we can see and we get angry at the very people we should show compassion and we don't get angry at people that can see and they're deceptive and they trick people. Oh, no, I was, it was acting. It was, uh, yeah, I, I took a drama class in seventh grade, so I was trying to try that out. Yeah, so just acting. I love you now. We're good. I know I'm gonna pay for it after service. I know, I know. <laughs> no, but, but, yeah. Yeah, I was getting frustrated, which sometimes Christians, we get frustrated with society that doesn't get it. Why don't they get it, right? But what did you keep saying? I can't see. Just click on it. I can't see. Just stop sleeping around. I can't see. Stop doing drugs. I can't see. Stop being selfish. I can't see. Stop being over-sexualized. I can't see. I don't see the reasons why, how to attach this to God. You see, the thesis for today is God has to change your perception before he can change your life. What I needed Jessica to do is I need her to be able to see. And what's crazy is she could have stayed blind and I could have helped her. I would have supplemented her faith. She would have had the appearance of Christianity while walking around blind. Today's very important, you guys. Very important. Because there's two things that are going to be motivating for us that we got to get. As a church, we're working on being missional with the Holy Spirit. And some of us are stuck, and that's okay, but we don't know why we're stuck. Do I lack motivation? Do I lack faith? Am I just busy? Things like that. Possibly, possibly, but I want to get down to two core things today that are very important because it changes our lives. I believe that many of us, the reason we have a hard time partnering with the mission of God is because we don't see like God. We acknowledge him, but we do not view the world or view him or ourselves as he views us. We have the appearance of sight, but we're blind. You're baptized as a kid. You went to summer camp. You've gone to church. You know the drill. You know when to stand up, sit down. You know how to fill in the blank before I even say it. And you're like, man, I am spot on fire. And you're blind. There's the appearance of Christianity without the follow through of Christianity. We're seeing over and over in the Bible, God saved you in order to use you so that others are not separated from him forever. But here's the thing. Some of us do see, but we get frustrated with people that don't. You see God clearly. You see yourself clearly as a sinner who's been saved, who's on mission for him. You see God's blessings. You see God's love. But you get frustrated with the world. And this has been controversial because over this whole pan, the pandemic's over, but the whole previous pandemic, and even up to now, I've hit over and over again that we should not be yelling on social media. We should not be uh, divisive. We should not be degradating, degradate, degrad, degradating. I shouldn't use words I can't pronounce. And I'm looking at my wife right now because she knows, is that degrading? i got to know now. Degradating, degradating. (laughs) Degrading, thank you. Uh, We degrade or mock the very people God's called us to reach. And so we think we're waving the flag for Jesus and we're breaking his heart. That's why everyone's like, man, how is society gonna change because of the pandemic? Like, what's gonna be the post-world? I'm like, God's not looking to change them. He's looking to change the church. What if he said, hey, this whole thing, I'm trying to change the church because when the church is changed, then you change society. So there is someone murdering his people that he loves that Jesus died and rose again for. He's trying to kill people. You remember, Jesus spent time with that he loved, interacted with in a physical, human way. He's trying to murder them. This is personal. It's not a God way out there being like, I love the seven billion, like literally the ones that he spent time with, cried with, prayed with, Blessed, and now this man's trying to, right? Says everything about our God. Because if someone's trying to kill someone in our family, someone that we loved, our whole thing is, let's go, right? And God's like, ah, let's save him. Why? Because he doesn't see. He doesn't see. And when he saw, he got baptized. Verse 19, and after taking some food, Who's our food? What does the Bible say? What's another synonym, right? Who's our food? Who's the bread of life? Jesus. He gets baptized. He eats. The Word of God nourishes. Jesus nourishes us. Why, why, why do we eat? <laughs> this is a loaded question. <laughs> so, some of you are like, because I get stressed out, and that gallon of ice cream, <laughs> you know. I understand that question can go a lot of different ways. So it's rhetorical. Some of you just froze. You're like, oh, we're getting too deep. Don't tell me why I eat. We may, or we should be eating is so we can function. If you don't eat, you can't function. Like literally your brain, you can't think, right? All these kinds of things. So we eat to function. Why do we read the word of God? Not to appear godly. That's not the end result. I don't think God even claps like, oh, you read the Bible. Woo! No, you eat so you can function as a Christian. Because why? Because we're on mission with God. He's at work in Acts. He's at work today. And I think for some of us, we're like, well, where's God working? And I think what God is saying is, oh, I'm working. I'm waiting for you to partner with me. (laughs) I'm already working. It's the church that's kind of like, ah. So what does Paul do? His perception changes. He gets nourished. He then... It says, Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. So the murderer now is becoming friends with the very people he's trying to put in jail and kill. How does that happen when you go from being blind to seeing? You see, if you try to change the behaviors of a blind person, it can kind of work, but they're dependent on you. When they see Jesus, you're there, but you're more supplement. They can go straight to Jesus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. That had to, what is going on? Do you know someone like that where their life changed? You're like, what is going on? Have you had that experience where God hits you in such a way that you see things differently? You parent differently? You're married differently? You love strangers differently? Social media is different? You view society differently? It changes everything. And now he's preaching about the Son of God and he was persecuting the Son of God just weeks before. All those who heard him were astonished. He said, isn't this the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who called on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Verse 22, yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. This is what I wanna stay on the story here is what God is still doing today. And two things, I wanna make sure that nobody here today is blind, but they still think that they're, they can see. How do I know that? Like, how did Jesus know that the Pharisees who appeared to be the most religious godly people like, when he called them blind, the disciples were like, you can't talk to them that way. They're the most godly people here. That's got to say something to us, right? How do we know if we're blind? Because I guarantee, if I ask that question, every one of you are like, he's not talking, to he's probably talking to the people next to me. <laughs> like, it's not one of those where, where you're like, oh, yeah, that's me. It's usually like, oh, I know exactly who he's talking about, right? And that's usually when God's talking to you. You guys, I love this church. This is a small church. I know almost every one of you pretty well. No, seriously. My greatest fear as a pastor is that we're going to get to the end times. We stand before Jesus. I have two great fears. I stand before Jesus and he's like, you were amazing, but I don't know you. I would rather be less talented, be known as a horrible pastor, and a, Jesus knows me, than to be on fire as a pastor, but not even have to really know Jesus. And my greatest fear is that we do this church thing for years and, years and years and years and years and years and we never met, followed Jesus and the blinders came off. We were always dependent on the sermon, someone else, show me how to use a phone, but we really had no sight. We couldn't interact with Jesus on our own. I just gotta throw that out there. Now you know my greatest fear. I have a lot of joys, that's my greatest fear. So how do we know? Thank you for praying for me. Yeah, thank you. I know that, Carmen. So how do we, how do we know? When we're blind, here's the key thing, blind in sight. When you're blind, you know of God and how to act godly, but you don't let God transform you or be on mission with you. That's the difference. The Pharisees knew how to preach the word of God how to, they knew how to pray. Like they were professional. Like if, if they prayed, you'd be like, "Oh my God, I'm with like an angel." Like they prayed magnificent prayers, but they never allowed Jesus to transform them and to truly use them. Why was Paul? The blinders were off. He was transformed, and then he was on mission with God. When I lack a transformation and a mission, I've got a question: What are you doing? Because here's the thing, if I get it, I see God for who he is, me for who I am, and other people for who they are, changes everything. Rather than raising a kid, maybe to fill a fill a void in my life or it's just what we do, and you have sex and have babies, and it's just, you know, and and you know, I just want them to be a little bit better than me, which Some of those things aren't necessarily bad. Also, I'm like, oh, no, my kid is a sinner in need of a Savior, and my primary job is to show them Jesus, not for them to get a 4.0. It changes everything. So now you're not stressed out during sports. So you're not stressed out when trial comes because you're like, oh, now they can see Jesus through a trial. You're not stressed out when they mess up because now they actually get to experience God's grace rather than just sing about God's grace in the church. See, some of us, we want our kids to know God's grace, but not personally. So you will never mess up. You'll be better than me in all the ways I messed up. But when my eyes are open, I'm like, oh, they need Jesus more than me. It changes work. They're not paying me enough. They're this. My boss is this. Oh, that's my mission field. That I'm more heartbroken that my boss, who is maybe horrible to me, not paying me enough. um, I see him do things that that are deceptive, whatever. But I see that he's separated from Jesus, breaks my heart more than he's not paying me enough. Are you seeing the difference between... But I could be blind, have the appearance of Christianity, and hate my boss, despise my kids. I'm missing the mission and the transformation. That's the difference. Paul was transformed. How do we know, Paul, the scales fell out the eyes? People he, were, he was going to kill, now he's trying to save. He got baptized. Check this out. He humbled himself because we know he was high up in the ranks as a Pharisee. He shares this later on. He was high up there. He was regarded. He humbled himself and allowed local disciples to teach him and to train him so that he's ready to preach. There's a true and dramatic change in his life. Jesus talked about this. There's there's a few different ways that that we need to be able to see clearly. One way is that we need to see ourselves clearly. Jesus talked about this when he said uh, in Luke chapter 6. 39 through 42. He said this, "Um, Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? I see myself clearly. The reason I don't get super angry at politicians, at people who don't get it, even when I'm driving, (laughs) is because I realize I'm a person probably walking around with a plank in my eye. Rather than many of us think, nope, my eyes are clear, and we're picking out the little things in other people's eyes, right? Or we're angry that someone's blind. He says, no, 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 see yourself clearly. Do not take the speck out of your own eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your eye, then you'll see clearly and able to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Uh, so the one of the things that God does is that He helps us to see ourselves clearly, which keeps us humble. We realize that we're weak, we're frail. No matter how long you've been a Christian, we're susceptible to sin, foolishness. One of the things in in uh, when I do with counseling, when I have you know people that are maybe struggling with bitterness or couples that are you know usually if a relationship deteriorates, we get into the blame game, right? Like the hardest thing in marriage is to be married a long time and not all of a sudden things that you used to laugh at just drive you nuts, right? And then all of a sudden as you get, as the days go on, you just see every fault, everything. It's easy, right? If you're not married, welcome to marriage, all right? That's what you're in for. You know, it's just easy. It's easy. It's right there daily for you to see, right? And it's interesting because there's all kinds of hurts that can accumulate and then we remember them from two years ago, five years ago, right? We remember all these, all these things. And so one of the most profound things that I'll do with a couple um, is to say, hey, I have no problem with you talking to that person. Like, we'll, we'll do that. We'll get there. No problem. And you can unload. Just go for it. And they're like, oh, I can't wait. Like, when's that counseling session, right? I'm going to let you just fire away, right? Pull out the gun, and just go and get it all out. Oh, I can't wait, right? But first... I would like you to take one night and I'd like you to write down since you've been born, think about your childhood, all of today, all the ways you've hurt God, you've lied to him, you've deceived him, you haven't followed through, you've lied to others, you've murdered in your heart, you've said things, you've cut people off, you've cursed. I would just take one night, not two, and just go through that list. And then we'll talk about the other person. And it's amazing how all of a sudden the guns get a little smaller. Or someone was like, I'm just gonna put that back in the holster there. Right? Because the very flaws we see are the very flaws that are in us. Now, it doesn't mean that we dismiss other people's sin. It just means we deal with it in a different way when I can see rather than when I'm blind. You see, when I'm blind, I'll just shoot randomly. When I can see, I'm going to be very specific. Well, it's like this. A knife can be used in two ways when it pierces someone. It can stab them to death or it can cut precisely to get something out and to help heal a wound. You don't want a blind doctor. (laughs) You want to make sure he can see and that he's precise. And so some of us, it's not that we're going after certain things that are bad, but all you're doing is just randomly stabbing. You, You don't see yourself correctly for who you are and what God's trying to do in healing Maybe a relationship or a wound. So the one thing that we see is that we have to see ourselves for who we are. And Paul, this, this is why Saul, whose name would be changed to Paul, he saw himself correctly. If you read the letters, what, is, what does Paul say about himself? I am the worst. <laughs> but yet we do Bible studies about Paul is great, amazing, right? And he's like, bro, don't look at me. I'm the worst. We see in the scriptures where he'd write, at times he was suicidal. I think it's funny when we gloss over that. He's like, I think I would rather be with God than you. Like he's saying, take, it, take me now. He got depressed. He got angry. Later on, we're gonna see that he had a friendship split after 15 years, closeness, split. He couldn't resolve conflict. Paul was a sinner in need of a savior and he knew that. But here's the key thing. Many of us, our sin is what keeps us from being on mission with God because we're stuck in guilt and shame and we never receive God's grace. Here's another thing. The blind are mired in guilt. Those who see shine in grace. When I see someone that's just stuck and paralyzed in guilt, what I realize is I don't need to be like, oh, no, everything's okay, be nice to them. They have not received God's grace. And when I'm in guilt, I can't be on mission with God because I feel like I'm a loser, he can't use me, he can't. But when I realize that, no, I am a loser, but saved by grace, I have the mind of Christ, the power of Christ, and he'll do miracles, and whatever I mess up, he'll fix Those are two different people, one who can see themselves correctly and one who's blind. The second thing that we need to see clearly, though, is not just ourselves, we need to be able to see God clearly. Second Corinthians chapter four talks about this and the importance of this, because one of the things I want to encourage us with is if I don't see God clearly, I can never live life clearly. This is really, really important. Because some of us, life is very muddy for us right now, financially, relationally, spiritually. And I, I want to make this clear. Life becomes muddy and unclear when our view of God is unclear, right? How many of us grew up in a home, I know for me, where God was a distant God who was really looking to bust me at any chance he got. He wasn't really proud of me. He loved me, but that's because he had to love me. He didn't really like me. How do you think I interacted with God through my childhood? Always up and down. When I felt like I was on fire and I wasn't doing bad things, then I was reading my Bible, I was going to church, and as soon as I messed up, I didn't want to go to church, I didn't want to talk to Christians, I didn't want to, right? Because I didn't see God clearly. You're a distant God looking to check off, being like you are underperforming, I'm so disappointed. I need to see God clearly. It was like, oh my God, it hit me when I was 17 years of age. And the youth pastor I met with, I'm like, man, I can't live for God. And he's like, that's because you. You don't understand him, man. Do you think that he knitted you? He started asking me questions. Did he knit you in your mother's womb? Yes. Did he breathe life into you? Yes. Did he create you to destroy you? No. Then why are you acting like it? Because that's how I saw God. As soon as I saw God, like, oh, my God. Yeah, I'm going to discipline you at times. But what horrible parent never disciplines their kid? They discipline out of love saying, no, 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 no. This isn't good for you. I love you. But he's for us. He's not against us. Isn't that Romans? He's for us, not against us. Second Corinthians 4, 4 says this, the God of this age has blinded the minds. Who's the God of this age? Yep, Satan, the devil. And he's not a little pitchfork red, ugly dude, hunched over. The Bible says he's an angel, glorious being. He's just rebellious. So he's a good looking dude. And that's why he's deceptive. That's why satanic things are deceptive, because they see, they feel, they look so good, but they're not. So Satan has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Satan has blinded the minds of Democrats and Republicans. He's blinded the minds of the crazy football, soccer people yelling, starting fights on the field. Oh, they just need counseling. Oh, they just need to. Oh, they're blind. You see. Their kid at that age at 10 years is everything to them. Why? Because they don't have God. When you have God, you, it, they're 10. It's a ball. Who cares? <laughs> I've never done counseling with someone in their 40s being like, you know, what do we meeting for? Well, when I was 10, I lost. I got second place in a tournament. I got, I've never, but we act like if they don't win at that age, they're going to be, you know, I've never. Why? Because we're blind. And Satan has blinded us. And so here's the thing. If Satan is blinded, it makes it a spiritual, not just a psychological relational one. When we're dealing with people who don't know Jesus, first we have to pray for the scales to fall off their eyes before we start trying to direct them. If I wanted to help Jessica, the first thing I did before I talked about a phone, take the blinders off. Then it would have been a lot easier for you to interact, listen to mine. It would have been a lot easier. So when we're reaching people for Jesus, view them not as incompetent, which we, many times we do because then we get frustrated, but as blind. They just don't see. We see our, ourselves clearly. We see God clearly, but we also see this life clearly when the blinders come off. We see life for what it is. Later on in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul writes this. And again, this is Paul who was blind and then got sight. He's writing these words. And so I think there's probably a lot of like Man, I lived it. He said this in verse 17, for our light and momentary troubles, do your troubles feel like they're going on forever? Do you feel like there's difficulty right now that you're like, I don't see the end? When you have a heavenly perspective and you realize you're gonna live for billions and billions and billions and billions of years without plastic surgery and having to eat blueberries, right? Like just by knowing Jesus, you're gonna live forever. What we're going through does that put it in perspective? Does having a heavenly perspective? Let me ask you this. Were there any did you have you ever read the Bible where there's a problem and the Bible said, and God couldn't figure it out or overcome it? What, have you read that Bible verse where it said this happened and God was like, oh, crud, right? Or where he panicked, where he's like, I'm out of here. Or it's like, and God was confused and stumped. Like, is no. How much of the Bible do we have to read that says, no matter what troubles or trials, he will get you through it, over it, or he will demolish it? I don't know which one, but he's going to do one of them. But again, when you see, Paul says, they're momentary troubles. He says, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all, right, when we're faithful to God through them. So he says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, this world, politics, finances, imagery, our own physical health, how we look with, I mean, the world judges all, what we drive, what people think of us. He says, no, no, we don't fix our eyes on people, on things, on politics, on education. We, don't, we can be aware of it, but we're not obs- obsessed with it. What are we obsessed with? We fix our eyes on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I just want to challenge you this week of how do you see yourself? How do you see life? How do you see God? Because if there's no peace, joy, love, hope, if there's no sense of you want to partner with him, I'm not here to change your behavior or psychology. I would say you might be blind. And God's got to remove the scales so that he, you see life differently, people differently, and yourself differently. And that's when life gets exciting. That's when troubles don't overwhelm. That's when the things of this world I don't have to get angry because I'm filled with God's love. Boy, I see this. Um, when I do counseling, a lot of times people will come in and they want to f- fix the relationship, right? Understand. Um, but more and more over the years, I, don't, I, I go spiritual rather than relational because almost all the, spir- the relational things are spiritual dysfunctional all the time. But people don't see it, so I have to tr- kind of trick them into it. So that's my secret for uh, counseling. I try to trick you, Right. Because usually our problems, they're spiritually, usually, not all the time, spiritually based, not relationally based. Um, a f- family comes in and um, uh, they're, they're not in a good spot. And the husband thinks the wife's gonna leave. And I said, well, why do you think that? And it's like, because she said it. Okay, uh, did you say it? Uh-huh, why? Because I think God's leading me out of this marriage. I'm not fulfilled. What do you do? She threw God in there. So I'm like, oh, well, tell me about this God. Well, who is he? Well, he's just kind of a, a, just this force out there that I think just speaks in our hearts. And where'd you find this God? Like, just tell me. Like, I'm curious. Like, where'd you find this God? And she grew up in the church. Christians, they married. But disappointed because God wasn't answering her prayers. Not fulfilled. So she started seeking other things and realizing, well, maybe God's this force. Started going to a medium. Started paying for the cards to be read and all this kind of stuff. And uh, one of the meetings with the person doing the cards is you need to leave your husband. Was told by someone to leave her husband. Went to counseling to a spiritual counselor. That woman heard her and said, yes, I think you should leave your husband. So God's speaking to me because this person said exactly, right? And you can do that. How many of you pass a billboard? It's like, oh, the billboard said this, and God's doing this, and I read this, and last night on TV. Sometimes we do that, mixing in things, right? And so I just asked this question. I said, is there a possibility that you could be being deceived? She goes, what do you mean? I go, well, if there's a God, is there Satan? Or do you believe there's no Satan? Like, just help me understand. No. Okay. So we started going on this journey. Had nothing to do with the relationship. The husband's sitting there like, bro, what are we doing? Like, like my wife, like. So I gave her an assignment, you know, and I said, right, you know, do you, do you think the word of God is weightier than your heart? What do you think has more importance on the scale? Because tell me, because if you're like, yeah, word of God's here, my heart's up here, then why read the Bible? And she's like, no, you know. Like, and I was blown away, so I gave her some Bible passages that I thought were basic, like all Christians read. Comes back and she goes, I'm blown away. Starts talking about Jesus being God. And I'm like, wait, you grew up in the church, you guys were Christians when you married. She never had given her life to Jesus. She never saw him as the true son of God. So we start unpacking this, and she has a blindness to who God is. She has a blindness to who she is. I give her passages about us being sinners, you know, and God's grace, all this kind of stuff. And it was just interesting, just her eyes being open. Husband's getting frustrated with me now. We're into three meetings. We haven't talked about their marriage at all. We get into the fourth meeting. She starts going to church. She gives her life to Jesus. And in the fifth meeting, we don't meet again. The fifth meeting, they come in, and I said, all right, well, what happens? She's like, I'm there. I understand Jesus. I understand I was being deceived. I mean, just going all these things, and I'm just like, whoa. And I go, well, what can we do now for the marriage? And the husband's like, we're rocking, this is great. (laughs) She doesn't want to get a divorce. She realized what she's been contributing, what I've been contributing, we're talking through. I gave them some assignments at date night. They did all that kind of stuff. But here's the thing, how many weeks would I had to met if I never addressed the spiritual? And it's like, you need to be kinder, use me language, not you language, doing all the psychological, you know, do date nights. You're not this. Rather than just being like, you don't see Jesus. You're blind, but here's the beauty of who God is. He makes the blind see clearly so you can live clearly, so you can be on mission clearly with Jesus. He did it in Paul's life and he's doing it in your life. And here's the thing, he wants to use you to do it in other people's lives. So never write anyone off that seems combative and seems like they're they're, they're just the most horrible people because this church is gonna grow off someone that murdered Christians and became a friend of Christians. So we see people differently than how they see themselves and how the world even sees them. So as we go into worship now, the worship is going to come up. I just want to encourage you to let God speak to you and not just speak to you in a practical way, but to speak to you in a way that hopefully, maybe if there's any blinders on, can kind of open up your eyes to who you are, who he is, and what this life is about. We take communion, and at any point during worship, you can just Take communion, I encourage you to do it with family or friends. You can invite someone with you to take communion. But here's how I'd like you to take communion today. With the spirit of this, that as you take communion, that God would open your eyes to see yourself, to see him and to see this world as he did when he was on the cross. Do you remember what Jesus said when he was on the cross before he died? His last words? Father, forgive him for they know not what they do because he knew he was dying for blind people that eventually would see. When the Holy Spirit comes in your life, he will take the scales off so you can see clearly. Jesus, I pray we are a church that we don't think that we can see, but that we know we can see because we allow your spirit to shed those blinders. That we see ourselves clearly as fragile, weak people, who need the body of Christ, who need the word of God, and who need your spirit to do miracles. We would see you clearly, God, that you are someone that you are always moving, you're always loving, you're ready to do miracles, you're ready to work with us. We would see you clearly as a God who is on purpose and on mission. And I pray we would see this life clearly, God. That's not about the education and the politics and the social media and how we look and our weight and this and but we see for what it is as far as people separated from God that need him to live forever. That we see our jobs as a mission field, that we see our kids as a blessing, that we see marriage is not about us being personally fulfilled, but how can we give our marriage partner back to Jesus better than how we found him? Change our hearts, change our perceptions, God, as we worship you in your name. Amen. Well, as we end our uh, timer, I know it's a little bit heavy today. Um, but I think sometimes it's good for us to really stop and take account of things. And um, to me, this passage was very personal as I thought about just just my own life and how important that is to allow God to change our perception. Um, and I was just thinking about, you know, a lot goes back to relationships because you kind of see that. But like for Christina and I, our marriage... Um, I've shared times about just the miscarriages and how that impacted us huge. And I went through my kind of rebellious thing after that, but I didn't really draw close to God. And he kind of supernaturally just punched me in the face and really a recommitment uh, to God at that stage of my life. But then once that happened, Christine, cause she was kind of holding the family together while I was off just doing my own thing. She kind of just, and I've shared this, just in a sense fell apart, it was just like depressed. Just that no hope. This family isn't what we thought it was going to be. God didn't answer our prayer. You know, just that whole thing. That was really difficult because that lasted years. It's different when it's like three weeks and it's like, here's a pill. You're done. All right. But it's years and there didn't seem any hope. Counseling didn't seem to do it. Like we're trying all these natural things. And, um, but I remember in my own heart starting to feel a little bit of bitterness. And I think what we've got to be careful of is sometimes we assume if I feel it, then it's real and it's Right? We gotta be careful of that because sometimes what happens is we can see but then sometimes those blinders can kind of come back on <laughs> and i remember having a time i remember the time with god where i was like is this how the rest of my marriage is going to be for the next 20 30 years and the holy spirit not an audible voice but just inside said what does it matter if it is and that's where i kind of got i felt like the lord laid on my heart love her in a way that when you give her back to me, she's better than how you found her. She changed everything. My, first, my anger, i like gone. Because I saw her as a woman that needed to be loved rather than fixed. And as a woman that she might be depressed the rest of our lives, but she'll have joy in heaven. Now God blew me away because She's a woman of joy today. Um, and God did change things. But even if he didn't, he's still good and I have a role to play. Perception is everything. Sometimes we're trying to fix our problems and maybe we need to relook at the way we view our problems. And that's when we'll experience joy, love, peace, patience, and kindness, you guys. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information or to get in contact with our pastoral staff, please go to gotoaccesschurch.com.